Hi everyone, I am Audra, and welcome to a KinCast. For our first episode, we're going to have some introductions so you can get to know your host a little bit better, and we're going to talk about awakening as well as just defining a few of the words we're going to use, such as other kin and therian, or at least we're going to talk about the definitions because there are different opinions. Right, so um, introductions. Let's go ahead and start with Andrew. Greetings, I'm Andrew, um, Eastern Canadian Red Wolf Kin. Yay! I also study photography. Well, say study, that's done. I quite like it quite a lot. I'm also very, um, not quite there, so you'll probably get used to that by now. <laughs> I'm a gamer, I spend most of my life being in front of a computer screen or a TV screen, just kicking ass or getting my ass handed to me. Uh, <laughs> I like to read, but I can only read whilst traveling, so my book list just keeps growing and growing and growing. Pet peeves? A lot of things. It would take too long to go through them all. (laughs) 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 Um, So, yeah. I'll just use my first name, go by Audra. And I am a scorpion kin. I find myself as other kin, and we'll get into that a little bit later when we get into our awakening stories. Um, I like a lot of things, music, reading. I really enjoy mythology and strange metaphysical stuff, but I also enjoy, like, history, and um, I enjoy listening to atheist podcasts and things (laughs) like that. Um, surfing the internet, uh, games. I love tabletop role playing. Um, goodness, I've <laughs> pet peeves. Stupid people. I don't know, but um, I I am currently out of work. I've been really, really, really sick for a whole year. <laughs> um, but I I have had some entry level jobs like working at movie theaters. I've been a cashier in an electronics lab. I I do have a bachelor's degree. I went to a tech school. I won't tell you what that what the school was because I don't want people to like be able to track me down or something like that. So unless there's anything else you want to know about me, oh I really love heavy metal. I mean that's just <laughs> So at some point during the music I I you know, I will influence. I will influence it somehow. I will insert some metal. And uh, okay, so unless there's anything else, let's move on to Connor. Greetings. I am Connor. I'm a hyena kin, so you probably all know me by now because I'm like the only one out there. If you don't, you're a bit of an idiot. Um, <laughs> I like studying history. I'm a complete gamer, both on the tabletop and on the computer. I play primarily RTS, FPS, and RPG. Um, my pet peeves are many in between. It's like people who just do stupid things without realizing they do stupid things. I read a lot. I was the one who assembled the team. And that's pretty much all there is to say about me. So this is your fault, essentially. This is my fault, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The horror you hear and your gradual stupidification (laughs) is my fault. I apologize sincerely. I hope you keep listening, though. (laughs) Please keep listening. We need it. All one of you out there. 
Yes, all all one or two of you, which will yeah. be us re-listening to our own podcast just because we're curious about how it sounds on Podbeam. We need Most a few amount of the mail listeners so they can repopulate the earth with listeners. That's what <laughs> we're teaching ourselves um, as to how incredibly bad we sound. Namely me. I am not used to this. <laughs> I will be fixing as much as I can in editing. Um, I don't have any qualifications in editing. And I don't think... I think Audra has done podcasts before, if I'm not saying. Actually, yeah, I've... Okay... I've t- attempted a couple of podcasts on Blog Talk Radio. One I think is called Chaos Sphere. I think there are some uh, recorded podcasts still there. Another I think is called Otherkin, again on blogtalkradio.com. Um, let's see. I have actually been in radio, but it was college radio in a really, really, really small town, and the station only went across the campus, so it wasn't like actual radio, um, because the FCC regulations would have made it too hard to just make an actual radio station and just broadcast across across town or something. So we just kept it to the campus. So you could you could hear the radio station on campus, but nowhere else. Why did you have to say attempted? It's like the Titanic attempted to get to America or across the water. <laughs> <laughs> We're only going to remember it for its failure. Yeah. Well, actually, it's kind of interesting because when I I was one of the people that helped it get um, a little bit uh, more popular among the students because it was a complete failure. And so some of us were like, we were taking a class in um, radio, essentially. I forget the official name of the class, but we wanted to actually – um, well, first of all, um, we improved the reception of the station, and we also made the students more aware of it, because a lot of students didn't even know it was around, because that's how pathetic it was. And then, you know, by the time um, that year was out, you had a bunch of people wanting to take the class so they could get on the radio. And actually, um, what some of us did is put a, a TV camera in the station, and we had a live video feed as well. So you had people wanting to get on the radio and people to see their face. Ooh, look at me, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, but even still, I mean, it was really fun running the station after that, but even still you had callers saying, you know, they would call just to say, by the way, you suck. <laughs> why we're not having callers, ladies and gentlemen, it's why we're not having callers. <laughs> Exactly. People but, have used the call system, and we're but, not having video cast either because I look terrible. If you've ever seen the movie Pulp Fiction, my hair kind of looks like John, John Travolta's in that. I not have often been compared to Bigfoot for many, many reasons. So That's let's one of the questions we'll be answering. Uh, if there are two uh, Sasquatch kin, and one of you believes you're fiction kin, and the other believes you're fairy kin, can we please have both of you on to argue over it? Yes, we, we want you guys to debate. It, it's sad that we've talked about this last week, and we still remember it. Yes, we need that. We, we also and there will also be a few surprise segments coming up, and we're not going to tell you because it's going to be a bit of an ambush for some of you. We're going to add more Akbar, and it's going to be a trap. <laughs> we also need um, platypus kin because platypus 
uh, the oh. pretty much the natural equivalent of individuality. They are the living embodiment of individuality. We need a platypus kin on here sometime, oh, if they exist. If any orc kin want to paint this show yellow so it'll go faster, by all means, come on and paint the show yellow. <laughs> yes, please. If there's a platypus kin, or even if you just want to fake being a platypus kin, you can come on. We won't check. Do you have any comments, questions, constructive criticisms, uh, plans for world dominations, crazy manifestos? Our email address is akincast at gmail.com. And you can listen to us at a-kin-cast what was it? on podbean.com. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're there already. Probably, but it's always good to give the link. So make it a favorite and subscribe to us on whatever you subscribe to us on. Right, because, you know, I can see where somebody downloads this and maybe listens to it in somebody's car. Yeah. So you want to at least give the link. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the, um... I think that Podbean does have a messaging system, but it's not as good as email, so... Get in touch with us. Even if it's just to send me money, get in touch with us. <laughs> actually, no, we'll get in trouble. Don't send me money. And tell well, me. Actually, what you can do is pay us to shut up, and if we earn $1 billion, we will stop podcasting. But until then, this show will keep going. <laughs> well, we'll keep podcasting. We'll just change the name. But they don't need to know that. Is that out loud? If you're Bill Gates, essentially, and you really don't like us ruining your inventions, send mm-hmm. us money. You're moving right along. Moving on. Um, right. So what we were discussing is if you're an artist of music or art and you want to have your artwork shown, uh, if you email it in a sample for us, then we'll listen to it and we'll think about using it as um, interstitial sound or as a picture to go up on a blog or something. Basically giving us free stuff. I don't think we're big enough for that, but... Yeah, give us free stuff. Well, here's the the thing um, on a serious level. Um, If you're a musician or an artist of some kind, or maybe you've written a book or something like that that you think other Kinantharians, etc., would like... Uh, send us a sample. We could play your music. We could show your art. We could link to your book or link to your website or something like that. Um, we would really appreciate that, and we probably will. Having said that, we do des- reserve the right not to because I would hate to have somebody, you know, some poor don't-quit-your-day-job kind of musician send us stuff and then feel bad because we reject it. <laughs> yeah. That's the risk we've got. It's a dangerous business. And I think it would be useful, since this is the first episode, to 
define some of the words that we're actually going to be talking about. Um, why don't we start with the word Therian? Um, as I understand it, a Therian is a person who, in some way, shape, or form, identifies as some sort of non-human animal, but the animal either exists now or existed in the prehistoric past. So, uh, what do you guys think? What's your take on the definition of the word? I think um, to cut it short, it would be um, a person who feels they have a connection to an animal. Pretty much. Um, personally, it's a psychological thing for me. Some see it as more of a reincarnation. They were this animal in their past life. Um, some see it as more of a metaphysical thing. Um, I... <laughs> It can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. People have a lot of different views on it. But, um, yeah, the basis, base conception, base conceptions, I can't pronounce words properly, is um, that, yeah, it's a human being who connects with an animal in some shape or form. Yeah, I think it's important not to say um, a spiritual connection or a psychological um, connection, because some people disagree with that within the Therian community. Yes. Right. It could be, for some people, it's both, and for some people, it's, you know, it's it's something even, you know, their their ideas are even different, like other dimensions and stuff, and, you know, stuff that yeah. none of us would even necessarily understand. So, yeah, and there's disagreements as to how, you know, how much is psychological and how much is spiritual. Um, I'm still on the fence about if it's psychological or spiritual, so I just say connection, because it could, um, I don't know enough to have an opinion yet, so. Well, I also think there might be something to a person's, and I know you don't like this word, but a person's energy, a person's feel. Um, like, there may be something metaphysical to it without necessarily having to do with reincarnation or the astral plane or something like that. It's kind of like how a while ago Andrew and I were talking about Reiki and how Reiki for, could be real, but could be totally psychological or like you and yes. I were talking about magic and there are certainly people who practice magic and believe in magic but they believe that it's completely psychological I think mind mind's is, uh, powerful though like yeah you, you just beat me to it there <laughs> like if you imagined um I think it's one of the yeah, reasons of P shift I think it might just be a strong M shift mix of the pH shift Okay, yeah, so now we're getting into, let's, okay, let's define other kin, but then we can, like, define um, a few certain types of shifting, because they're obviously going to come up, and so other kin, as I understand it, and there are different definitions, um, and, you know, obviously, Google is your friend, now, <clears throat> The idea behind other kin is basically the same as therianthropy. However, uh, other kin include mythical beings such as elves or phoenixes or unicorns, etc. Or they may include beings that just aren't even of this world. Um, it, somebody just may be an entire, just an entirely new animal of their own creation. And again, with the other kin, it can be psychological or spiritual or some other thing. And there are numerous theories as to why and how people become other kin. Some people think, well, I was an elf in a past life. Some people think, 
for example, uh, my astral body is elven, but it's inside a human body. Some people are like, well, for whatever reason, I just jive more with this particular feeling, this particular mindset and way of thinking that I call elven. Some people are like, well, it could be a mental disorder, but since I'm not dysfunctional, I embrace it as something different and just say, well, okay, you know, I'm an elf, and that's just plain how I see myself, and since I'm not dysfunctional because of it, I'm okay, and I don't see it as a disorder. I mean... I am... Oh, go ahead. I personally class it, I, I personally class it uh, as a little abnormality. It's not really a, a, a something wrong with you. It's different. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Right. Well, I'm the same way. It's kind of like if, if for some reason my identity as a scorpion became some sort of thing where I just can't function or something, well, it's, then, then it's time to go seek professional help. And it's mm-hmm. sad that there's a stigma about that in the community, and that could be an interesting future topic for a podcast, you know, other kin and the mental health community or Therians and the yeah. mental health community yeah. or, you know, clinical lycanthropy and how this differs from cl- clinical lycanthropy and blah, da, 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 da. But, you know, right now it's just not a problem other than, gosh, I, I, I don't think I'd like shifting in public. Well, a few days ago I actually did shift in public, but it was just, it was a mental shift and I was laying, laying back in a chair, so I just, you know, took some deep breaths and just said, well, okay, I'll just not talk so I don't say anything strange and I'll just let it pass. And it did pass and everything turned out just fine. So I've, um, um, I felt one coming on in public before, but I've I, I've um, always been able to push it away. I've never actually let it take over. Um, not that I lose control, but, yeah, I've always been able to push it away when in public. Um, I've, yeah. I've felt it in public, like, various times. Um, it depending on what situation I'm in, I will just let it happen or I'll try and force it back. But guessing back on sub, um, subject, I think to define other kin, simply put, would be feeling a connection with a species that hasn't been proven to exist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, right. And there are people who identify as dragon therians. Now, I personally, I don't know if that's technically correct. But there are people who do. They they identify as dragons, but instead of hanging out with the other king community, they prefer hanging out with the Therian community. I don't think you can, unless you're talking about a dragon, which is a species like a Komodo dragon. Mm-hmm. I think because of the dragons that a lot of them feel they connect with haven't been proven to exist their other kin until proven otherwise. Or perhaps something that looks like a dragon. Maybe like a um, a Jesus lizard. Those things are really cool. <laughs> right. That's another. I, that's another topic. Is just placeholders. Like people who think, well, I feel connected to fairies, just for whatever thing. And then may, they may study fairies or whatever, and they may not like pin down a certain type or something like that. But they might be like, this is what I feel most connected to. So this is what I'm how I'm going to label myself. So that I can introduce myself when I'm among the other kin. You know, when they say, hey, you know, what's your stereotype? What's your kin type? Whatever. And, you know, but then after a while they may get a little bit better understanding of themselves. And maybe there's something 
a little more real-life oriented, or they may actually say, oh, okay, I'm not a fairy, I identify as some other mythical being, or or something like this. Something like um, a butterfly or a dragonfly, something similar, but you're attaching the human element to it, um, and you're just coming out with fairy or something like that. Right, but now having said that, I don't want this show to sound like we are somehow denigrating people who actually identify as fairies. Or like no. saying, oh, well, they must all all be wrong. And believe me, I've seen some people in, in the other king community that are just like, woo! <laughs> like, okay then, yeah. Like people who happen to be um, a few in, a few dozen very powerful kin types and seem to remember this litany of harrowing past lives and so on and so forth and 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 they're and they are enmeshed in astral battles every single night titanic struggles against the forces of the vorgin or something and if you don't know what the vorgin is that's um how to explain um, in the other king community, this kind of ties in with the whole veil mythology and this and that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are some people who um, believe that they remember a species called the Vorjin, which is um, a panther-like species. As I understand it, I could be incorrect. And um, it has to do with this thing called the corruption, which is another other thing, which, you know, I'm happy to get into, but I, th- I think it's more like for other podcasts and stuff down the road, because I, th- I think then th- this basic, you know, kind of introduction type show with, with basic definitions and such, it's going to get really muddled if I start just going on about um, the... Um... Some of the more wacky stuff makes it very difficult to believe, even for someone who, once again, identifies as an Eastern Canadian Red Wolf. A lot of this stuff is very hard to believe because I am a skeptic by nature. So, yeah, these are all opinions. If you don't agree with it, then fine, you know, write in. It's cool. But, yeah, just opinions. Definitely. I mean, if... I mean, if you want to tell me that my take on the Vorjin is completely and utterly wrong... I absolutely welcome you to do that because it's not part of my unverified personal gnosis, UPG. I've only gotten stuff from second and third and fourth and fifth hand sources. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, just write in at akincast at gmail.com and, um, well, yeah, no, let's, let's get into defining different that will be, um, shifting. If- there will be um, in the show notes. I'll put in the email as well in case uh, you miss it, or just so you don't have to keep going back and listening if you're struggling to spell it. I mean, I know that annoys me on podcasts. They say their email quite quickly, and then I have to listen to it a few times so I can understand what they meant. Mhm. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's yeah and, um, and I don't mean to make fun of like any of the other king because I know it sounds like we're being a little bit derisive. And mm-hmm. I really hope that's not how we're coming across. It's just that some of the stuff that all of us have seen, because I've been in the King community for about 10 years now. And I mean, my own particular awakening was fairly recent, but I've been, but with in 10 years, you can see some really unusual stuff. 
So if, if for example, you do believe yeah, I think Neil, so. and, and you want to write in and tell me where I'm wrong, by all means, t- you know, tell me where I've gone wrong. Maybe you want to be on the show or something like that. By all means. <laughs> I think um, one of the problems is our opinions are based on what we've seen, and there's quite a lot of very extreme stuff. So it 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 um we become inherently biased in some cases because there are just some really crazy people on there. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty much the same for any community. Yeah. But yeah, the King community has a few crazies and a few outlandish beliefs as well, um, with different people. But another thing to note is the fact that we all kind of lean towards the psychological aspect, me more than I think you two. Um so I'm yeah. Not sure. You're a troll. <laughs> <laughs> I I think um Andrew, what he says is very interesting, and it's something to consider. But, like, I'm not going to completely write off either theory yet. Right, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm I'm actually kind of on the fence. And at this point, see, um, I guess I would technically fit in more with the Therian community. But to be honest, uh, right now I'm actually looking into stuff about, you know, I'm looking into... Um, Stuff about mythology and a bunch of uh, Near East mythology and stuff like that, uh, because I want a better handle on the idea of angels that does not come from, you know, I yeah right the Judeo Christian idea idea plus the people who are saying, well I'm an angel and I have two wings and I'm humanoid I'm just really tall and really beautiful. And I fell, and I have angst, and, you know, I mean, the angels are not strictly Judeo-Christian, and I'm veering yeah. off topic, and I'll get back on topic, but the point I is, I've seen a lot of sources that are just Judeo-Christian in their flavor, and they refer to angels and demons and a fall, and I'm like, in a lot of cases, I'm I'm like, have you looked into Babylonian, Mesopotamian, um, Sumerian, uh, yeah, Macedonian? Sure. Um, what about the um, what's what's the word? Um, uh, the Etruscans, um, like the the runes. Now the runes are Germanic, okay. The the Elder Futhark, that's Germanic, but it's suggested that. Uh, the language may actually all the, go all the way back to the Etruscans. Now, again, if I'm wrong on this, you know, by all means, send us an email. <clears throat> send us an email. Tell me where I'm wrong. Please do that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and just make a bunch of claims. But my my point in saying all this is there there are a bunch of Near East civilizations, and there there were all kinds of angelic type beings before what we think of as as angels I or, think, or like um, the Canaanites how how I'm, I'm sorry to get off on this I, I i promise i'll end my tangent real quick how <laughs> how many people talk about um what we think of as judaism you know el yahweh elohim which by the way is plural are they the same being there's actually debate on that um but they don't say anything about the Canaanites, for example. They're, they're not talking about Baal Hadad, which is a storm god. 
and they and and from what I understand, Baal is actually a title rather than a specific god. But my my point is, there's just so many angel angel kin out there that don't seem to know this, and so I'm trying to dig into my own mythology for, or not my own, <laughs> I'm trying to dig into all this mythology for my own purposes, and I don't find a lot of good material about angel kin. So that's kind of where I'm at now. So I say this because, yes, I am actually looking at the metaphysical. And even still, I may find out, oh, I'm some sort of weird, you know, scorpion angelic entity or something. But even still, it still can be psychological. There's nothing that says that means, therefore, I'm high and mighty and da 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 some other kin are going to be from different cultures to others. So they might see their species of kin type as completely different to another person with the same kin type. Yeah, that's true. Mm. So it's like one person might be thinking of the Oriental style dragons, which um, they have in, you know, Jap- Jap- Japanese, I think it is, um, mythology. Or some other might be thinking of the stereotypical dragon we have in Europe. Mm-hmm. Big, fat, body hoarding kind of thing. Yeah. I'm still waiting for to see if anyone has the balls to claim to be Fafnir. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I am Platypus. Hear me roar. To wrap it up really quickly, I think Otherkin is a species that doesn't exist and someone feels a connection to. Right. <clears throat> or, or some would argue that it exists, but it exists in the realms of the mind or in spirit. It exists in a way that's been scientifically proven. There you go. It would exist yeah. in the same way as you know, people are going to hate me for this, but in the same way a lot of religious figures would exist, which in a few years will hopefully become mythology. But um, yeah, they're just <laughs> they're things that have been created, things that have been created by you know human artistic minds and. Some people have connections with them. I mm-hmm. don't know why. Um, yeah, we're going to end up pissing a lot of people off. <laughs> yeah, but... Okay, yeah. but I want to say this is a disclaimer right now. All our opinions are purely subjective. Um, we can't be objective about this thing. I think um, variants have it a bit easier than other kin because we know the species exists. We can physically prove it exists and what it does. Other kin can't. That being said, I don't think that there are many Furians out there who truly understand their kin type. I mean, I, I'm not oh, one of them. I don't, I, I'm one of them. I don't claim to know a lot about, you know, wolf personality or that kind of thing. Before I awoke, I didn't even know what a freaking undercoat was. So, yeah, I still don't know that much about wolves. Uh, How do you not? It's like undercoat, a coat underneath. <laughs> because I was an idiot. I was a reptile lover. Still am. Reptiles are cooler than big bulls and meh. <laughs> the word reptiles are pretty cool. I mean, I mean, if I had my choice, I mean, I like scorpions well enough. I mean, they are cool. But if I had my choice, <clears throat> you know, it, you know, I, I might be like a snake or or, or a lizard or something like that. I, I you know, me or a platypus. Yeah. Well, chameleons are cool. I mean, when I, when my family was vacationing out in Arizona, I mean, it, it was just so cool to actually see, um, 
you know, pay, pick up a chameleon, stick it on a, on a red piece of sandstone and say, and watch it turn from tan to red. So, mm. um, or I, think, I would just make something up and say, I'm a blah da 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 and pull it together a bunch of cool features. <laughs> I would say I'm a doppelganger, so I could be whatever I wanted. Nice. Well, actually, wait, that wouldn't mean you're, would that be, mean you're a doppelganger of yourself or a doppelganger of other people? Because if you're a doppelganger of yourself, wouldn't that be a split out personality disorder? It's like, I am me. This is the version of me that isn't quite me, but is a little bit like me. Um, what? I'll be the shape-shifting kind. <laughs> I, okay, think, moving I on. think that's like a polymorph, isn't it? I'm not sure. A polymorph, um, a mimic. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> think, like um, that. moving on to another definition. from Pokemon. Um... Furry. Yeah, let's let's distinguish other kin and therians and furries. Okay, first off, um, I want to be first in here. Furries that describe therianthropy as a spiritual side of being furry, I think they are completely wrong. They're not. They're not. It's not like therians not like a subdivision of furry. Well, um, I'm a furry myself, as you both know, and I would say that furry is, uh, I can use furry to express my furry empathy, but it's kind of, you know, it's it's an art form that you can express something through. That's pretty much what it is for me. Um, I'm, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, that's, that's it, don't worry. Oh, I mean, I'm also a furry, and I think uh, furry empathy and furry Whilst they do have crossover, I think they um, shouldn't be described as the same thing. No, not being a furry, I'm kind of, I mean, I, I feel like I kind of know what it is, but I don't quite really get it, get it. Isn't it like where you have a person who is human and, and identifies as human, but just for the sake of role-playing and just fun and being creative... Um, takes on an anthrop the persona of an anthropomorphic animal yeah. of some kind, and then say it's, role um, plays. It's, it's different to different people. Uh, it's normally called a persona. Uh, people make them up for different reasons. I don't have one yet. I don't have one, but I have an idea what I would use. But yeah, the, thing, like the thing is, um, it's different things to different people. Personally, I'm a big fan of the art side of it. Um, I love Amphro art and that kind of thing. I'm a big fan of that side of it. The there there are also those that dress up as like anthropomorphic characters that look kind of like mascots that they've created themselves, and I can kind of see the appeal in that. But honestly, with the exception of a tail, it's not really my kind of thing. And the, yeah. people do connect the two furry empathy with furry, but really they are different things that just seem alike from afar. Um, yeah, furry is more of a hobby than anything else. It's an art form. It's an expression of thing. There are life lifestylers to it somehow, and I'm not sure how they do it, but they basically just try and live their whole life as being furry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, to me that's where it gets a little weird. I mean, I uh, I'm a Trekkie, but I would never try to like walk, live my whole life wearing a Starfleet <laughs> uniform. You know, I mean, and some people would say, well, even Star Trek, you know, the 
has a pretty good philosophy. You, oh, you don't, you don't like go around starting wars. You explore and you try to learn things and try to make peace. And there's a lot of philosophical dilemmas and da 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 da. Yeah, live long and prosper. Da, da, da. But I would never attempt to like make a lifestyle out of this and try to like make my whole philosophy or something out of Star Trek and like try it and like wear a Starfleet uniform and stuff like that. What I find with a lot of furries is they become obsessed much more easily than most other people. If I could, well, honestly, I I see furries as very like to otakus, you know, anime lovers. It's pretty much the same thing, you know. The trouble people, I have with a lot of them is use, when they oh, sorry, people use um, anime uh, and that kind of thing to express certain aspects of themselves. Just like you know, I kind of use a furry for me, but um, and people can get really obsessed with it. it it's very similar um, to my mind. Um, I mean, if I could walk around with a, a tail on without being beat to a bloody pulp, I probably would. It's just cool. I like the feeling of having a fake tail. <laughs> I can't do that because hyena tails are way too short, so there's no point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that, that would be like like wearing a tail or wearing ears. I mean, there are people who do that as just fashion accessories anyway. Like, teenagers might go to the mall or something with ears or a tail. Or yeah, but there's your made the go to a club wearing ears and a tail is kind of a, you know, they're not even affirming. It's still kind of a kinky thing. They're kind of suggesting, like, hey, I'm a wild or girl cool. or something. Uh, you know, uh, there's a, once again, a lot of anime people wear, um, like, cat ears or, like, hats with, fur ears attached to them or something like that. It's it's cutesy and it's just part of the scene really. I mean that's why I think they're very much alike. Um Yeah. I think <laughs> a problem with furry is part of the community I don't like is if you can't draw or do digital art, then you can't ever get anywhere. No one bothers paying attention. It's like if you write stuff, no one will read it. Well that's too bad. Yeah, I know, it's, it's very, um, furries don't read much. That's too bad. I've had, this, I've had this discussion with Andrew that no furry has ever put out any good book ever. Well, uh, not that we've read, anyway. I mean, most furry comics can pretty much be put down like this. Um, it, it's set in a high school kind of environment and there's some kind of trouble with the family or friends or something like that. The, Normally, there's some kind of homosexual issue being put in there, like, the, so peep, someone's homophobic and this guy's frightened of coming out. And that's honestly what the majority of very yeah. um, comics cover, also which is a, a shame of... because, I mean, look at Amphro. Look at Amphro Art. There is, you could make some pretty cool, like, fantasy novels out of this kind of thing. Yeah. But no. Nobody well, like, okay, like, okay, let's say you do have anthropomorphic animals, like, interacting in a high school situation. Well, how'd they get that way? Why Why are all different animals interacting, what, oh, even if they're well, anthropomorphic? I've, I mean, you know, what... Absolutely working on a setting where, um, basically, um, animals really don't like each other, like in nature, and it's anthropomorphical. And mm -hmm. it's basically like the world has evolved as it has today, but each nation is represented by a certain group of animals. Yeah, see, no, I think that is really, really cool. I think that's better. I don't get... Okay, what I don't get about furries, I don't get why different species animals would be attracted to each other. 
It doesn't happen in nature because then all you get is inbreeding. And also, actually, it does. Not as <laughs> With much. Mammals, at least, it does happen. Um, and it's normally just frigging hormones acting up, really. But yeah. You will see animals getting trying to get it on with something of a different species. Well, well how often though know, have you? Yeah, it it does happen, but what? But with anthropomorphic animals in furry art, usually what you have is like you know an anthropomorphic lion, you know, not even you know not even hanging out with an anthropomorphic panther. It's usually like. You know, a, you know, a lion and a freaking um, bear or a shark or, a, you know, I just something that has nothing to do, totally dissimilar to a lion. I don't get why you wouldn't have just, like, everyone would be a hybrid then. Well, you could think of it like this. Don't look at them like they're animals. Look at them like they're people. And the animal that they're represented as being is kind of an expression of what they are. So, for example, someone who is very prideful and full of themselves and kind of a bit of a dick could be a cat, you know? Could be. (laughs) And his name could be Seti, and he could be black, and he could be probably in a room he shouldn't be in eating the other cat's food. His name could be Ricky, and he could be half Bengal, and he could be a bit of an arsehole most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anthropomorphic rat, very untrustworthy, you know. Of course, real rats, uh, you, you could always just, you know, the stereotypical animal compar- uh, animal symbolism, like foxes being really crafty and sneaky. Rats are resourceful, so if you're actually doing, like, some kind of, quote, dirty rat... Um, this is a person who, who can not only plot and be, you know, dirty, essentially, a person who can scrounge in a tough little, well, I, I can we call it? Perfect rogue character, really. Exactly. A real tough rogue, too. I mean, not just your, you know, stereotypical debonair, swashbuggling, ha-ha kind of rogue, but, you know, just a real resourceful person. I think what, um... The thing with writing a lot of furry stuff is you can't have your species to be the ultimate good guys. I think it feels too self-indulgent, which is why whenever I write hyenas, they're kind of like um, the SS, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Imagine the SS in a cowboy aesthetic, and they all hate each other. Nice. (laughs) It's just fun. Honestly, to write about them, it's really, really fun. I just they will kill I, I'm, I'm picturing like anthropomorphic hyenas in SS uniforms and cowboy hats in a saloon, but they eat each other, so it's like they're not even talking to each other. They're just being real gruff. Uh, it's very um. There's no SS uniforms. They just behave in that. They're supposed to behave in that kind of way. But uh, at the start, a character does get eaten because he's pissing everyone off. <laughs> like at the start. Wow. That's kind of cool. The start, like. But we're kind of getting off base, I think. I know we're getting off topic, but it's, that's alright, because, like, four pages in, he just shoots him and goes, why'd you do that? He was pissing me off, and I'm really hungry. (laughs) 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 And the one that's reasonable is really irritating for the rest of them, but we're going off topic here. (laughs) 
Right. So, um, yeah, and, well, one more thing about furries, though. I think a lot of people um, see furries as just a really disturbing kind of perverted kink. Like, you know, all, they always just want to, like, yiff, and it's all porn. And a lot of negative um, See, I've always found the idea that people focus purely on the yiff to be rather stupid. It's like... um. You know, it's like looking, once again, looking at anime and saying all anime is disgusting. Why? Because hentai exists. It's like looking at movies and saying all movies ex- are disgusting. Why? Because porn, pornographic films exist. It's a very stupid thing. It's just like one aspect. Yeah, it exists, but Rule 34, if it exists, there will be porn for it. Okay, but what <laughs> I point out is um, furries have it much worse than any other community, and I think, right, sorry to offend any furries out there, but the furry community has much more porn than every other fandom. Oh, yeah. Much. No, I'm not going to... But even once again, look at anime. I mean, anime has a lot of it as well. And even the clean like stuff... Could be Harry Potter. Stuff. Harry Potter has Slash. We're going to make Slash porn about us if we get popular. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I don't think anyone would do that thing about me. You know, a big, freaking Bigfoot-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's done it for TJ, maybe. Right, let's get on to something less disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) Definition of, um, I think we were going to cover quadratarian and sunfarian. Yeah, yeah. We're also going to to cover different types of shifting. Yes, so Andrew, do you want to kick us off with quadratarian and sunfarian? I think you know more about this than everyone else. Um, I don't know what the first one you said was, but I know a what a sunfarian and sunfarian. A what farian? A quadrifarian. I thought you knew. I have no idea what a quadrifarian is. Uh, neither do I. Sorry. So why don't you enlighten us? I don't know what it is either. I've just heard lots of people say it. So if you tell us about sunfarian, and I'll Google it. Do you mean a confarian? Yeah, that's what I meant. Ah, right. Okay, so a conferian is essentially someone who, they feel the uh, animalistic part of them and their human part of them are at one all, all the time. It's more, sometimes they're, they're more, you know, they're more human than anything else. Sometimes they're more animalistic or animal size than anything else. Um, but they're always kind of in a balance between the two. Another thing is about conferian is they don't experience shifts. They never experience shifts. Now, a sunferian, which is what I am, is pretty much the same thing, only they experience shifts. Um, normally, though, it's very, it doesn't pop up very often. It's a rare occurrence. With me, experience mental shifts, for example, your emotion, like when I'm feeling depressed or pissed off or really hyper, that's generally the kind of time I would experience the shift. Um. <laughs> Is there a word to describe people who feel shifts more uh, more often than others? I'm not sure. Um, I think every furian, with the exception of a conferian, will experience shifts. Only some experience them more than others. Some like them, whereas I personally, I hate mental shifts because during a mental shift, I feel like a human acting like a wolf rather than a wolf because I'm pretty much pop wolfy all the time. So during a shift, it's it just doesn't feel right. It feels unnatural. It just just <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. 
I mean, like, that's just a ex- good example of, like, how much shifts differ. Right. Why don't, why don't we backtrack a little bit and see if we can uh, define shifting? Because we all seem to experience it differently. Because, Andrew, whereas you say you experience it like, or it's like an unnatural thing, like you're, acting, you're a human that's acting wolfy. Yeah, I, for if me, you've ever seen a human being acting like a werewolf, that's pretty much what it's like. And it's just so annoying. I don't like it. <laughs> right. It, it's like you feel like you're not yourself, right? Yes, precisely. Okay. Okay, well, see, with me, it's completely different because when I shift, I feel like the scales have fallen from my eyes, the walls have come down, and I'm a scorpion, and I'm calm, and I'm centered. I just, I feel like my real, authentic self. It's not like right now, sitting here, I feel like I'm fake, excuse me, like I'm fake, or like I'm dissociated, or like I'm lying to you guys, or acting, I mean... What you see is what you get. My opinions are my opinions, etc. But when I shift, it is just so calm and so, so authentic. It's like ah, taking a deep breath and feeling like myself. When it comes to shifting with me, once again, this comes back with the psychological aspect of it that I believe. It's, um, with me, it only happens, as I've said, during, like, a big emotion. So, you know, emotions are high, so maybe a shift with me is some kind of release, which is maybe depends on stress or something like that release, which is why it doesn't feel as natural to me. Um, it, it, it's just not the, the greatest thing ever. I just really don't like it. <laughs> My shifts vary. I mean, sometimes it uh, feels uh, really, really violent very sort of aggressive and other times it just feels very um calmed down right well let's for let's at least um let people know that we are not claiming to physically shift no we're no. talking about um a mental shift right uh, now there are different kinds of shifting as i understand it like dream shifting and aura shifting and a there, there's a bunch of words that there's a phrases that I just don't necessarily get. There's like this whole litany of types of shifting. I'm sitting here looking at it like, wow, that's yeah. a lot of words. <laughs> I can cover dream shifts a minute. Sure. Um, I don't really consider dream shifts to be true shifts. I have had dreams before before and awoke, whereas, whereas I, where I'm flying through the sky as an owl or an eagle. Um, and I've had many people come to me before saying, okay, because they watch my videos, and they're saying, okay, I, I think I'm maybe uh, a furian. I've had this bloody, bloody dream where I'm bloody, bloody, blah. Uh, and it's like, no, everyone, kin or not, has various dreams where they're an animal. Um, and I really don't consider dream shifting to be an actual form of shift. Um, just something where people, it's just something where people are putting a connection to. And chances are, if you're, say, a wolfkin, you're going to have dreams where you're a wolf more than someone who isn't. You know, it's a, a mental thing. It's a, things that go through your mind or things that you're going to dream about. So, yeah. See, I somewhat agree. I mean, if you're having every dream you have, you're your kin type. I would consider that a dream shift, but if it's one or two dreams, I agree with Andrew in the sense that, no, that's not a true shift. Well, I would say take stock of your dreams, and maybe if you're shifting into an animal, then it it does mean something, but maybe it doesn't mean something literal. 
then again, maybe it does. Just, you know, take your time with it and see if patterns come up and see if there is some kind of, um, uh, like, is, for example, if, if you don't get much sleep, for, you know, for dream shifting, and you stay up late, don't get much sleep, and for some reason you keep dreaming that you're an owl all the time, you might make a connection, oh, maybe I'm just dreaming about being a night owl because I'm a night owl or something. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, well, just the idea of shifting, though, it's, for me, I can't describe it for other people, but for me, my experience is I, I have a normal, everyday mentality, a normal, everyday way of perceiving things and thinking and conceiving of myself. When I, I shift, that changes. And even if I wanted it to go back to normal, it will not until it's damn good and ready, and I just kind of have to wait for it to just pass. I can put mine off. I can um, I can stop mine. But I think that's because I I just don't want it. Um, whenever I feel one coming on, I'll just stop it. Um, I can't actually stop them. I just need to focus on stopping it, and it goes. So, yeah, a moment of silence and just thinking about something else, and I'm back to normal again. I think mine goes on because um, hyenas are really weird gender-wise. If it's a male hyena shift, I generally just let it happen because I, I act um, a bit more shy. Still quite aggressive, but um, a lot more shy than I would with a female hyena shift. Mm-hmm. Um, female hyena shifts, I will really make a conscious effort to put off because I act quite aggressively during them, and I will do only do them in sort of private. Well, how much control do you guys have over your shifts? Because I don't have a bit of control over mine. Quite and a lot. I can um, bring them on uh, if I so choose, which I very rarely choose to do. Um, <laughs> as I said, it really depends. Right, because what I'm doing is, like, like right now, not now, is in this moment, but what I'm doing is trying to at sometimes focus on this part of myself or, it, in essence, it, this may sound silly, but, like, try to talk to it. And not, like, have long, protracted conversations. Just say, like, yeah, I get you, know, uh, you know, okay, Scorpion, if you want to come out, you can come out now. And it sounds silly, but, yeah. And, and the reason I'm trying to do that is because if I can learn to um, bring it up when I want or f- bring it up through focusing on it or something like that, then maybe there's... Maybe I can actually learn to just control it, so it won't be like, oh, my God, I'm shifting in public. Or it might be like, I want the sense of calm. I'm going to take a few deep breaths, lean back, and shift now. (laughs) I think uh, quite early on into my awakening, I didn't realize when a shift was coming on in public, and I would just change moods extremely quickly. Mm -hmm. But I think I've learned to not control it, but suppress it and let out more appropriate time is much better. If I ever wanted to let it go and bring it on, all I would need to do is um, think of, like, maybe a memory that I really don't like or think of something that really pisses me off, and it'll come on. <laughs> it's like, like a berserker kind of thing, just I have control over it. Yeah. Um, whereas some music can do it for me as well, really high energy, like um, Two Steps From Hell. A lot of their high energy music can bring it on as well. Um, but once again, it's something I 
pretty much never do. I can do it, but it's something I never do because I don't like mental shifts. Um, so. um, I can bring it on with music, but it's usually quite melancholic music. That's interesting. With me, music isn't even connected. I mean, there's music that I like, but it has nothing to do with shifting at all. For some reason, the Stranglers always bring it on for me. Like, <laughs> Brilliant. Time. Yeah. Piss me off. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, a lot of their songs do bring it on. Uh, don't really have that with many other sort of bands or anything. See, music can have an emotional response with some people. Um, well, a lot of people, really. Music can have an emotional reaction, emotional, emotional response that can make us feel certain things. So if I listen to a high-energy, uh, high-power song, then maybe my mind will stop thinking of something that will go along with the song, and it'll get me in that mood, get me in that frame of mind where I can just go into that. Um, I think that's how it works for me. It's an it's emotional reaction for me, shifting. It's It's very much emotional. Um, well, maybe I just haven't found the right music or something. But. Um, I wouldn't put it all down to music. Right. I'm well, I mean, some cool. people, I, I, I think, you know, certain types of art or something may trigger a shift where other people may look mm-hmm. at it all day and just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, during the shift, if I um, somewhat control it, it feels really, really good. Well, one thing I noticed is that generally, and this isn't always the case, generally I shift um, under physical discomfort. Like when I was really, 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 really sick, that's when I really started shifting. That's when I finally, really and finally awoke. And that's when I really finally like, actually started shifting. Because until then, I never really shifted. It was always, well, I may be this, and I may be that, and I kind of feel like a this, and I kind of feel like a that, da-da-da-da-da. Which makes me think, once again, that it's an emotional thing. During negative stimuli, it will it could bring it on. Um, I personally think, for me anyway, it's definitely some kind of release. It's a, um, you know, I, maybe I hold anger in that I shouldn't. Or I hold, like, depression in that I shouldn't, and it occasionally, very rarely, comes out like that. Um, I think time of year actually affects mine as well. During very much... Winter. Winter doesn't do it for me. Winter, I shift much less. During sort of um, May time, which we're in now, up until early September, that's when it becomes heavy. I mean, I feel it at other times during the year, but... Sort of May to early September, it's really, really heavy. I um, I, I don't shift more, but I feel much more wolfy during fall and winter. Um, I love cold weather. Really, freaking do. <laughs> See, I hate so. cold weather, which kind of yeah, it's funny. Weather. Um, it's like okay, hyenas they're they're primarily in Africa, correct? Yeah. Scorpions tend to be in warm places. They tend to be jungles and deserts. Now, they're all over the world, but they tend to be in warm places. Wolves can be in very cold places. Granted, you're not an Arctic wolf or something, but wolves show up in real cold places, so I'm wondering if there's a connection between the seasons and the stereotypes. Having said that... Mental again, you know, connecting certain things. I mean, I think everyone can pretty much figure out that scorpions like uh, scorpions live in hot climates. 
bulls mm-hmm. are generally in cold areas. So it could be a psychological thing. That being said, I've loved snow. Uh, I've loved snow and rain and just cold weather for pretty much all my life. This you know, way, way, way before I awoke. <laughs> now, for myself, I haven't seen a pat- seasonal pattern as far as shifting. But during the middle of winter, like from about mid-September to mid-January, or actually from about mid-September to like the beginning of January, depending. Um, for um, this has been going on, I'd say for maybe past five years or so. I get really keyed up. Now I don't. Now some people are going to say that it has something to do with the winter solstice. Some people are going to say, well. Maybe you're reacting because you just you see less sunlight and it's kind of throwing you off or something. Kind of like some people get this whole seasonal affective disorder. But, you know, when it's the darkest time of the year, I'm like, I'm practically like ADD. I mean, I hate cold with a passion, and it doesn't get very cold down here. But, but something about the darkest time of the year, I'm just, these, you know, few days, I'm just like, you know, this couple of weeks, I'm just like, so I'm like the happiest, most optimistic, positive person ever. And it's like, (sighs) it's hard to describe it. You know, I sometimes feel it's, people will laugh at me for this, but that's okay, because it is kind of funny. I will sometimes feel like there are little elves in my kitchen downstairs. And it's like, I feel like if I would go downstairs and turn the light on, I'd catch them. There's obviously, it's like, there's obviously nothing actually there. And it's not like I believe in Santa and his little elves and no, 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 no. You know, I don't like leaf cookies for Santa. Some people would tell me, well, just leave cookies for the elves. You know, there are people, modern day pagans who leave, you know, little things for their housewives and all this. and And that's fine, but... You know, it's like this time of year, I feel like there are invisible people that come into the house and squat until, like, sometime in the beginning of January, and then they go. (laughs) It's interesting to note, though, that, you know, kin or not, there there are people out there who get really weirdly affected by certain times of the year, you know. I mean, I get really grouchy. I hate summer. In summer, I am hot. Oh, I love I'm the kind of person where during uh, one of the reasons why I love winter so much is because I I overheat. I'm really hot right now. I overheat, and during the winter, the winter is pretty much the only time of year where I feel really cool. Uh, I feel you know cool, perfectly well temperature. Uh, temperature is perfectly fine. Of course, then my mother puts the fire on full blast, and the heat rises upstairs, and then I'm screwed again. We I mean, should. I've got the, we should the change moms because my mom would love you. She loves keeping the house cold. She loves putting it on the thermostat on like sixty-five degrees or something in winter, and it's like ah, oh, that's disgusting. I hate the cold. <laughs> but yeah, people get affected emotionally in uh, with certain kinds of weather, certain amounts of heat or cold throughout the years. So I don't necessarily think it's a kin thing, but perhaps we could relate it to a kin thing because it is. Interesting to note that I love cold and I'm a wolf. I'm a wolf, whereas you two more of a more a heat more a heat lovers and scorpion and hyena. So, well, yes. um, it's also how long the days last in that particular time. Like I think I'm quite lucky because 
the heat in an English summer was like it's like very mild Africa, and I really like long nights. If it was hot and there were long nights, I would be really really happy. Actually, um, well, down here in the summer, in the daytime, it's hot as fuck. Now, having said that, (laughs) I mean, it'll get, like, to 98 degrees and shit. I mean, it'll sometimes get, well, that's Fahrenheit, by the way, not Celsius. I know you guys work on Celsius, and I work on Fahrenheit. (laughs) I don't know the difference. Uh, Let's see, um... Okay, like 30 degrees Fahrenheit is a real hot day, correct? Or 30 degrees Celsius is a real hot day, correct? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Move swiftly on. 30 degrees Fahrenheit is is just below freezing. So, well, my point is, it gets real hot and sweaty and sticky and disgusting here in the daytime. But it's still better than winter. Um, Because I... Don't like cold. <laughs> cold and I do not get along. Now with the winter, especially December, uh, what I love is the nights are longer, and I love the nights. I get energized by the night for some reason. One of the many reasons I have sleeping issues. Um, and the air, if you go outside and walk, and um, you know, if you walk during the the night in the the winter, the air feels very clean and just just very cool, and it, it's just brilliant to breathe in and. I love it. <laughs> I feel the same about summer. That's very interesting. I have to yeah, well, after, after a rain cleans out all the damn air pollution from Atlanta. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, is there any? Is there anything that we? Anything else we should hit as far as Therians and shifting? Perhaps media kin. We haven't really. Come into that one, Ian. Yeah, let's... Okay. Yeah, hold that thought be, only because I do also want to get into vampires a little bit, too. So why don't we yes. go ahead and define media kin, and then we'll um, get, a, get we'll start talking about vamp, vampirism. Thank you. Um, okay, I might as well... Media kin are essentially, once again, same as furry and, and other kin, only with media kin, it's people feel connections with <laughs> creatures or beings that have been created in media, such as Pokemon or Klingons or the Navi from Avatar. Please let there be a Ferengi out there. Please, I, that would be awesome. Honestly, if somebody wants to be, like actually claim to be a Ferengi and they're like running several online businesses and stuff, that would be pretty badass. <laughs> I want. That. Yeah, I'm not a Star Trek person, but I think I know what a Ferengi is. It's that weird one with the big ears, right? Yes, exactly. And they have the yeah. rules of acquisition. Yeah, uh-huh. and they're very generally the ones that. Uh, not exactly. Probably the least believable of the b- bunch, person, as far as I'm concerned. You know, Pikachu King and Lucario King and Renamon King and. Is there a Teletubby King? There's probably a Teletubby King out there, really friendly, uh, repressing your homosexual homosexual <laughs> desires and loves kids. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> oh well, people are gonna hate me for that one. Moving right along. I'm on. sorry. Yeah, see, okay, well, a lot of the, um, how do I say this, the media can, okay, 
It started out, they started out being called otakuken because otaku is a sort of derogatory term for um, an anime fan who's somewhat obsessive about it. And so the anime community just kind of took it on as like a kind of a badge of honor in a way. Like, yeah, you want to call me an otaku? Okay, I'm an otaku. I'm weirdly obsessed about it. You can make fun of me. That's okay. It's kind of like Trekkies being like, yeah, okay, we're Trekkies, whatever. What are you going to do? But um, So a lot of um, these fiction kin or media kin, um, they started identifying with anime characters. And, you know, not just, you know, also video game and manga and this and all that. Um, so just as kind of to make fun of them, people just started calling them otaku-kin because it's kind of like, okay, actually, you're just kind of weirdly obsessed with anime. You're not really these things. Um, but then you had people that started identifying as things that just, you know, weren't anime. Excuse me. Let's say somebody identified as the flag from the Stephen King books. Heaven forbid. I mean, I love Stephen King, but, yeah, I, I would hope that nobody actually thinks they're flag. But let's say, for example, that somebody does. Um, let's see. We're, I'm looking at... Okay. God. Yeah, we're, we're recording. Okay, good. But now they would be considered media kin. Or fiction kin. And now there's a term that's come down the pipe, fictives. Somebody might say, I'm a fictive. I identify as, I don't know, Pikachu or something like that. My neighbor Totoro. Now, one thing that I, now, okay, first of all, let me be very, very clear that I respect anyone's right to identify as anything they so choose, Okay. I'm not going to tell somebody mm-hmm. not to identify as whatever they identify as. It's really up to them. It's their mind. Yeah, I have enough it. trouble managing my own mind, so why in the world would I want to manage somebody else's? So in that sense, I do respect them. What Now, that does not, however, mean that I believe the vast majority of fiction can, media can, whatever. Um, now, I think in a lot of cases, well, no, I think in some cases you have intelligent people who identify as fictional characters, but they're willing to actually think it through and say, yeah, this is probably psychological. Or they might say, well, I believe that it's from another universe or whatever, but if you if you want to tell me it's psychological or if you want to tell me I'm mistaken or if you want to tell me this is a placeholder term or something like that, da-da-da-da-da, I'm not going to get all mad and offended and act like I'm persecuted or whatever because you're entitled to your opinion and I can empathize with somebody on the outside who doesn't identify as X, Y, Z. It's kind of like when I I can easily see somebody just not believing and think that I'm making it up when I identify as a scorpion and I'm not going to sit here and be offended because I can see where somebody on the outside looking in would think, well, you're you're just role playing, you're just, or, or maybe you're trying to escape from reality, blah, da, 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 da. Okay, so I, unless yeah, just be- Before I awoke. Yeah, go ahead. Before I awoke, um, I would have, and if I discovered the Furian community before I awoke, chances are I would have thought that <laughs> we're all a bunch of fucking lunatics. <laughs> 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 but I was a very close. 
was kind of idiot back then. So, yeah. Right. Now, having said that, most of the media kin I've run into, just from the way that they behave, not all, but most, are, to me, they either look like they're trolling the rest of us or like they're just really, they're lunatics and or they haven't thought what they're saying through at all. It's like they watched an anime or something, mm-hmm. and they saw something that – they saw a character they identify with for whatever reason, but they didn't take the time to actually reflect upon what as to why they actually identify with that character and then say, like, you know, oh, okay, I, you know, and – how do I say this, and say, oh, okay, it's not this character that I am. It's actually I recognize that I've had these struggles in my life, and I really recognize that I would like to have these great magical powers. I think there's a difference between having a connection and just identifying with a character. I mean, if there's somehow a Marcellus Wallace kin out there, God help you. <laughs> well, one thing I noticed... I really love um, Eleanor from the Kelly Armstrong Overworld series, but I don't think I would identify as a... I, I, I couldn't really find how I could... I, there's no way I could identify with that character in that way. It seems too far for me. I think it might just be in some cases people looking too far into a character. Yeah. Or just wishful thinking. And, yeah. But gosh darn it, they really want it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, One thing I notice also is, generally speaking, this isn't true in every case, but generally speaking, <coughs> uh, most of the characters that come down the pipe, most of the media can, they seem to be from fairly recent video games or... Um, manga or anime or something like that, or yeah. you know something that's fairly new, fairly cool. I've yet to that's see somebody claiming to be um, Optimus Prime. Although, well, I guess there were Transformers movies recently, but I grew up with Transformers, and you know, I mean, who or or remember the cartoon about the frog? captain of a spaceship or something or maybe he was a rabbit you know Bucky O'Hare I remember um, a, a, a 90s cartoon um, about a bunch of monkeys in space but <laughs> oh, okay let's take that one you know no, <laughs> nobody's claiming to be one of those monkeys yeah. um, nobody is claiming to be freaking rainbow bright you know it's like it, one did have a split personality <laughs> well, I'm thinking right now. Um, if you think about it, a species in a fiction in a fictional book or a film or a TV show exists exactly in the same way that a person exists in a film or a TV show. I mean, it's just as likely that there is a, like a Vincent Vega kin and a Gandalf kin as if there is a Ferengi kin. Gandalf yes. kin. I want to see that definitely. I want to see a My Little Pony friendship as magic kin. I think an MLP media kin is soon to come down the pipe if it hasn't already. Oh yeah. And I shall swiftly bludgeon him to death. 
chances are it will be Pinkie Pie, because everyone identifies with Pinkie Pie. I'm more of a flooded shy guy myself. Now, I, now I don't necessarily identify with, like, one single pony. Why are we talking about this? My <laughs> favorite awesome. pony is Princess Luna, formerly Nightmare Moon. And I th- I think it's because I am so enthused with mythology, especially with the bad guys of mythology. Bam, as right far right. as one of the main ponies, my favorite is Rainbow Dash. Just because she's, she's got attitude. She's the most fun pony. But I don't, like, have a pony I identify with. Moving on to vampires. Yeah, but, but please. Can I please Vampire please? pony! <laughs> with, no. um... Fluttershy, essentially, she's, um, she sucks no. with, no, please, she vampires. sucks with, um, human, vampires. I'll edit she, it out, she sucks, with interaction. she sucks with interaction, she's, she's very, she's got, um, social anxiety, but she does really good with animals, and that's pretty oh. much what I would say she would be the one I identify with, but I would not be a Fluttershy kid. <laughs> okay, serious question about media kin, though, okay, so, um, if, if we're getting people from comic books and cartoons and just all sorts of things, role-playing games and so on, is it is it possible then to have somebody from, say, a 1960s film? Now, and, and follow me on this. Okay, Charlton Heston played Moses in the Ten Commandments. Could there, for example, be a media kin Moses? I so you could walk around saying, I'm Moses, I'm just the media kid, Moses. Would that be a media kid, or would that be a, mytho- a mythological other kid? Um, I Moses was a human being, supposedly, but also s- supposedly a prophet. Supposedly a human being? I think I answered <laughs> that question by saying, is there a Marcellus Wallace kid? If there is a Marcellus Wallace kid, you're going to become the four coasts. Oh my god. I want you. Just don't go into any porn shops anytime soon. Please. Just say it. Yeah, please. <laughs> and if the song anyway. is so good to see you comes on a car next to you, don't turn and look. Or if you remember the old movie Cleopatra, could you be Cleopatra media kin? No. From that universe, but you're not the actual historical Cleopatra, but you're still Cleopatra. I think you're just identifying with the character at that point. <laughs> I don't know. I know people that do that. I mean, from Buffy, being a Buffy fan, I know quite a few. I know a few Spikes and Willows. And I was an Anders for a while. I freaking love... Uh, uh, sorry, was it Anders? Not Anders. Um, Xander. I love Xander yeah, so Zander. much. Uh, that's playing Dragon Age Origins. Vampires. <laughs> <sighs> no more. Okay, um, real-life vampires. Um, not Edward Cullen. No, we're not... He's not no, a vampire, no. he's a furry. To my like knowledge... He's no. a disco ball on legs. Bravo! Anyway, so none of us, to my knowledge, actually identify as real-life vampires. Nope, I don't. So this is a good time. Edward, wouldn't he? A functions of medieval disco ball then. Not bringing Edward into it. He is not a vampire. By fire, he does not deserve to be in this topic. Team Edward. Screw Team Edward. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) It's my turn now. Edit this shit out. (laughs) 
Team Edward. All right, let's go get to vampires. <laughs> so, um, to my knowledge, none of us actually uh, identify as a real life vampire, right? I do know one though. Um, yeah. Okay, so we are likely to cover vampires at some point in our show. Likely to have a guest on who identifies as, you know, a sanguinarian or a psychic vampire, etc. and so forth. Um, but to my understanding, um, real-life vampires are people who believe that they need to either drink blood or, um, how to say this, suck the energy from people. Who, I would say absorb. Yeah, absorb. Yeah, I guess that's a more polite term, isn't it? Absorb energy from people who to in order to maintain their own healthy energy levels. Now, just on its own, this topic is extremely controversial. Now, having said that, the um, people who identify as vampires, most of them are going to do their best to be ethical about what they do. Things are done among consenting adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That being said, I mean, this, this really gets into the, the whole energy manipulation kind of thing, which is something I'm honestly on the fence about. Uh, once again, with Riki or Reiki, whatever you call but it's um, something you could convince yourself of. So you could convince yourself that if you rub this battery for a long time, or you know, you're gonna power it up or something like that. If you if you're if you're hanging around with someone for a, a certain person, you could convince yourself that this person is sucking the energy out of you, and you could get tired. It's mm-hmm. mind over matter kind of stuff, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Um, so I think there is something to it, but not in a paranormal, metaphysical kind of way. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I think we've covered that pretty well. Yeah, um, and I, I gotta say, I, I want to apologize to any real-life vampires out there, only because we, you know, we don't necessarily, <laughs> on our own, have have a bunch of experience like with shifting and stuff we can probably talk about shifting for hours if we really wanted to but with vampires it's kind of like oh you know being in the other canontherian communities i i've also you know talked with some vampires and have studied up about vampires and i've read what was the book psychic vampire codex by michelle Ballinger. You know, just, I, I mean, just, I dated one at one point, and that's pretty much all my knowledge of vampires came from one person. Problem <laughs> is, though, like vampires, they—I pr- don't know if they all think the same thing. So if we have no. someone on, we could affect, they could offend a lot of other vampires. From what I understand, vampire communities um, are, are very higher. Uh, they have hierarchies. They have covens, as they say. They have hierarchies in vampire online communities, just like they do with certain like furian packs. And it's basically human egos bouncing off each other and it's not the greatest thing in the world. But you I can don't find these packs. Like I hate uh, the Aryans who call it a pack because only wolves have packs. Well I, I think other animals do, 
but the majority don't have packs. There is no way I would join an online community wolf pack simply because, in my experience with them, they are essentially human hierarchies. Yeah, it's I'm the alpha because I made this site. You know, um, yeah, alpha. I'm the beta because I'm the alpha's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> a human alpha would not. A human alpha furian tends to act like a human hierarchy, like a king, which is not the case with a wolf pack. Every uh, the beta, the alpha, the omega, they are all part of the whole. You know, not, yes, one is essentially one that keeps order. One has the last scraps, but they're essentially part of a whole, and one does not essentially rule over the other. They are a team. Um, and mm-hmm. wolf packs online are, are essentially human hierarchies, and they just don't work. <laughs> Right, but see, I mean, you have experience with online wolf packs and say, okay, I don't think they work, I wouldn't be a part of it. But none of us, I don't think, have had experiences with vampire houses, vampire covens. Only what I've heard uh, from the right. first person. Right, so, so I really, I don't feel comfortable making statements like, oh, there's a bunch of drama in the vampire community. I don't know. I haven't been really in the vampire community. I, I've just had, you know, some friends and acquaintances online yeah. who identify yeah. as vampires. And and some of them just want nothing to do with houses. And they it's like, okay, I have my donor. I have my whatever. I'm happy. And they don't go to clubs, and they're not gothic, and they may not even want to be called vampires or something, but they feel that they need to have... That they need to take somebody's essence or energy or whatever you want to call it, and I and then you have know. other people who are like, you know, I I dress up all gothic and I have my scene name and I'm and I'm in a house and I have this position and I do this 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 and this in my local vampire community and and, and I run a um, thing where vampires and donors can get together and da, da 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 and you know that's all fine and good but you know it's I mean people are I mean I'm, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the vampire community because I've never really been in the vampire community and yeah I think what we'd need to do is we'd have to have an episode where we had like three or four different vampires on that knew nothing about each other to get. A it would be sentence. interesting to get the, to get like a few vampires on the show because yeah, well, we basically know very little about it. Only what we've heard from the other person we've come across. Right. So. Right. Like I. I mean, we could. We might get say, for example, now. Well, I don't want to say anybody's names because I don't want somebody to think, hey, didn't you say you'd be on those people's podcasts or something? But, yeah, there, there's actually a couple of people in the vampire community that I actually really like to interview. Um, the one I was talking about before, uh, maybe she would be interested in coming on. Um, she probably would. Um, I know she can talk quite a bit, though. <laughs> I think so. we have more than one. Not at the same time, but more than one. Yeah, yeah. The, well, I I want this podcast to last a while. So not this specific episode, but I want this podcast to last. So I imagine we, we will have more than one vampire guest, just as we will have more than one Therian guest and more than one other kind guest, just, you know, through the various episodes. So. And if you're a Marcellus Wallace, can please, please be a guest. 
Same with Fluttershy Kane and Platypus Kane. It is Sasquatch Kane. Yes. Yeah, we, we need two of them. <laughs> now, having said that, I don't want to talk to the person claiming to be Fafnir. <laughs> <laughs> or Cthulhu. Uh, no, no, no Cthulhu can. Now, now, if you're going to claim to be Nyarlathotep, however, I still want you on. I know I'd be doomed to go mad, but you'd be entertaining, so come on. <laughs> and we'll see you on the flip side. Right. All right. See you later. Welcome back. We are now going to switch to to the topic of awakening. And in doing that, we are going to hopefully describe what an awakening is and get some perspective on that and different ways to awaken and just some different thoughts about the topic. And then we are going to go through our own awakening experiences. So, um... I'm just, I'm going to just go ahead and start and say my definition of awakening would just be the realization that you are, that so in some way, shape, or form, a non-human creature. And, you know, and vampires have an awakening in that they will awaken to the fact that they are in some way, shape, or form vampiric. And, and an awakening is something that lots of groups of people experience, be it other Cantharian vampires, and maybe there are some other groups out there, such as angels incarnates and star seeds and things like that, that also experience an awakening. So, what do you guys think? How would you define awakening? I think awakening is the transitional period from not knowing about it to knowing about it in enough detail that you can say you know quite a bit about it. My definition is pretty much, in, it's incredibly simple. This aspect of your brain just switches on. <laughs> you know, um, you start to feel a little bit different. You start to notice things about yourself. And, yeah, you see the world in a different way, but you're still yourself. Um, yeah. I think um, it will vary for a lot of people. Yes. I mean, my awakening uh, was years so was mine. Actually. Mine was very quick. <laughs> See, it's, um, it varies quite a lot. Right, and some people's awakening is very angst-filled and crazy and dramatic, and that's not necessarily a judgment on the person. I mean, sometimes people just have a dark night of the soul it's, and, and spend a lot of time wondering, ooh, am I crazy? And other people like myself, I had a crazy stage that lasted for years where I was pretty convinced that the veil was falling and that there were astral things that were attacking certain other kin and that there, and that all of this was perfectly spiritual and that we were going to get our powers back and things like that and that there were psychic attacks and curses and yeah, I went through a crazy stage. I kind of got carried away. Well, um, with that, why don't you tell us all about your awakening? Oh, well, all right. Well, before I do, I do want to mention that even though a lot of people awaken as teenagers or young adults, 
Um, I, I hope listeners don't think that you have to be an adolescent or something to awaken. I, some people are just born awake, as they say. Uh, that's just where you just always have a feeling that you are what you are, what you are. You just always identify, and you've never even had to have any exposure to any sort of community. You just had a sense that you are this thing. And, you know, other people yeah, I would awake. Say, um, Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I would personally say that the well, – I personally think that the reason why so many people awake in their teenage years is that's pretty much the time where everybody else is changing, you know, physically, mentally. You're going through a lot of changes. So really that's the that's probably the best time for this aspect of yourself to switch on as well. Um, <laughs> that's one of the many things that are changing about yourself. Right. I'm glad mine waited until young adult. Well, well, I'm, I'm glad mine started in young adulthood because if I were to awaken as a teenager, I had enough problems as it was as a teenager. So, yeah, my crazy stage would have been even crazier. <laughs> but yeah, and there are, there are people that yeah. awaken in their 30s and 40s and 50s and so on and so forth. So don't think that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. So don't think that like, oh well, if you're if you're 35 and you have an inkling that you might be other kin or something, but you have no idea what you are. Don't think that there's some sort of rush. I mean, you know, just be patient. And later on, we're going to do a whole episode about just the very topic of awakening. But, um, yeah, and, I mean, there are different theories about how to awaken and why people awaken the way that they do and blah, 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 blah. Uh, We'll get to that later. But, um, so, yeah, awakening stories. Okay. Um, I'm going to make my kind as short and sweet as I can because I don't, because it does span years. Um, The first... Hmm. Okay. I will say that, like many other kin, and I do identify as other kin a little bit more than I do as Therian, and I'll get to that, I tend to have a feeling of, oh, I'm different, there's something about me that's different. Keep in mind, however, that I'm disabled, and I tend to be a nonconformist anyway, and I'm kind of creative, so that... I mean, that could have just led to just the feeling that I'm different, too. So it's not necessarily an other kin thing. And I think we all have points where we feel like we're alone and we're different and we're not like everybody else. And, you know, we're strangers in a strange land and all this. Now, around about 2001, this feeling kind of came to a head. And I was researching stuff about... Uh, star seeds and angels incarnate and things kind of from the new age end because I didn't know about other kin and because um, in the pagan communities there's a lot of people that if they are other kin they're going to be kind of reluctant about talking about it <clears throat> because the initial impression is like wow you, you, you're an attention seeker or something like that and some some definitely are but um, certainly not everybody. So I'm researching all this stuff, and then I've happened upon, happened upon otherkin.net, and that that site has been around for a while. And so I'm like, oh, this seems to describe what I 
you know, it, this is closest to how I feel as far as what I am. And I didn't know what I am as far as like, ooh, dragon, elf, fairy, phoenix, whatever, but, you know, this, and, and eventually I, um, looked into the Therian community and the vampire community and, you know, learned about all, you know, all sorts of new things and, and just, um, so I, I, I picked other kin as the best label for myself at the time, even though I did not know what type of kin. And, and yes, I did go through a crazy stage, and I'm going to kind of gloss over that. I'm happy to talk about it. I'm not ashamed of it, but I don't see that there's a whole heck of a lot of value in it, in, you know, um, laughing at some of the really goofy things that I believed. What I will say is think for yourself, value your own opinions, take time to reflect, um, be patient. Don't think that you have to know um, exactly what you are and instantly. It may take a month. It may take four or five years. It may take a decade. It may take 20 years or something. But, I mean, it's going to take as long as it takes, and don't try to force it, and don't try to live up to other people's standards. Don't try to, oh, well, if these people believe that other can are innately magical, therefore I have to be innately magical, or I must be innately magical, so now I have to practice magic, for example. If you're not moved to go practice magic, then don't. I mean, just be yourself. Um, if you don't think that there even is an astral plane, but maybe you identify as a mythical creature, that's fine. It could be entirely psychological. You don't have to believe everything that everyone, you know, everything everyone else says. You get to disagree. Um, and if you do think it's spiritual, um, you get, you know, you get to disagree with the people who think it's psychological. That's fine. Um, but the point is, you know, be yourself and don't, like, say, well, if I identify as an elf, that means I must grow things or something. If you don't want to grow anything, don't grow anything. If you don't want to go <laughs> don't go camping. It's, you know, it's your identity. Um, but I'm going to I'm I'm going to just kind of not even really address all all of the crazy stage because I I think you've got the gist of it. What I'm going to do is fast forward to. Um, the end, the end of last year, like say September on through last year, or, or even a little before then, and into this year, 2012, the end of the world. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw the Mayans, we're gonna wake up on September 22nd like we do every single day. <laughs> the Mayan kinda looks a lot like an Oreo. <laughs> They predicted Oreos. You've heard it here. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I'm, I'm having allergies, so, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, a, a, a bunch of stuff happened in just, like, life, and I'm not going to, like, 
describe every little dream and every little intuition and every little blah da 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 da. But um, around about September um, or, or, or even August of last year, I got really goddamn sick. And, you know, I was going to a bunch of doctors and stuff, and I was just pretty much getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and I thought I was going to die. At one point, I did force myself to go to a party because I was really, really, I was going nuts from being in the house so much, but basically I thought I was going to die because I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. So, um... This is, I think that may be what spurred my awakening. I, I think that there may have been a sense of, you know what? If I, if I am batshit insane at this point, nobody's going to care. I mean, cause it's kind of like, you know, I was way too sick to work. So it's kind of like, well, getting a job. I can't get a job anyway. I'm just too damn sick to work. So what's the point of trying to carry on in society? I never leave the house. So what's the point of worrying about getting a date? There wasn't much of a point anymore. So I think maybe my brain just said, you know what? I'm going to open up this box finally and let you see what's inside, so to speak. And after several shifts because it's really weird because I you know I during this decade I could read and read and read all kinds of experiences from other people and I could read about animals and I could read about mythical creatures and I mean you know I I got into reading like I fucking Hittite and Polynesian mythology and fucking just really obscure weird stuff that you you know I mean, and I could read all that stuff, and it's fine and good, and it's entertaining and stuff, but it didn't really speak to me. Um, and I could feel things in the sense of, well, I kind of feel drawn to this, and I feel drawn to that aspect, and I feel drawn to this. Incidentally, I was drawn to spiders quite a bit, so, but, um, you know, after, excuse me, after shifting and, and during my shifts, it just felt so, so authentic. It felt so, so real. I know what I am. I am a male scorpion. And, interestingly, and I don't know quite how these associate, I am here to not, I am here to heal. And before you say, oh, well, you know, oh, abracadabra, you, you know, you're, are you, know, are, are you trying to play your elven cleric in real life? No, because there are different ways of healing. You could help somebody heal by sitting and listening to them, for goodness sakes. So that's not, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, abracadabra kind of a thing. And also I understood that I am here to also to heal myself. And, and some people would say, well... Some people who believe in reincarnation would say, well, okay, so you're here to, like, um, you know, you're living this life in order to heal and learn lessons. Okay, that, you know, that's fine. I don't think that's necessarily a stupid belief. But, you know, other people might say, okay, so you realize there's issues and stuff that you need to heal. Or considering that I was really sick at the time, 
obviously, <laughs> I wanted to heal, and it was my purpose in life at that point to heal. <laughs> so, you know, to heal myself. <laughs> so, you know, you could see that, you know, it, it, you know, the feeling like I have a purpose to heal both others and myself could be taken as, you know, umpteen ways. So it, so it's just an intrinsic knowledge. And I was really, really excited because after years of what am I, introspection, meditation, researching, seeing what rings true, I, I finally just, in a sense, let myself know. And I had, uh, um, how do I say this? You know, I waited for, you know, through several instances of shifting because I didn't want to just make assumptions, even though I knew what I knew what I knew what I knew, and there was no denying it ever again, ever, ever, ever. I still wanted to sit and wait before I declared anything about myself, like to anyone, or even in my blog. So, you know, so finally I, I noticed a pattern. These these shifts happen, and they keep happening, and it keeps coming back to the same thing, and it keeps feeling authentic. Now, I I will say I don't think that I am completely awake. Uh, right now, I am at the point where I'm researching more mythology, and I am trying to find information about some of the angel kin and the celestial kin and the demon kin and this and that only I'm going back before the Judeo-Christian stuff and even with the well even like with the Semitic stuff I'm getting into like Canaanite mythology and stuff
I've been researching mythology that has come down the pipe long before the Judeo-Christian conception of angels. And so even the Semitic stuff, I've been researching things like Canaanite mythology. And the reason I'm doing this is because I suspect, I suspect that there is more to the scorpion. And hear me out, because initially it's going to sound like I'm a, you know, super powerful, flaming, rocket-launching, laser-mounted shark. (laughs) Please be that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. But um, I'm starting to suspect that there is more to the scorpion. Uh, For example, I may, well, first of all, because the scorpion is associated with healing, and some people may want to link me to information about Sir Cat, and that's fabulous, really. But I've read a bunch of stuff. It doesn't ring true, but um, I do appreciate it (laughs) in advance. Um, I've researched a lot of damn mythology. Uh, Yes, I know about Tiamat. Yes, I know about the scorpion men of um, in the Enuma Elish. Um, I'm going to have to slog through that. Uh, I mean, so, um, but I'm researching mythology to see if anything rings true because along with the scorpion comes associations with healing and associations with storms especially lightning love storms i mean and this is now since i was a kid i've always had this real tie to lightning like yay a thunderstorm and just something about lightning and I, I dream about lightning very often, and my dreams that involve storms are just extraordinary, extraordinarily raw and powerful, and just, they feel good, and I just, now having said that, you can be drawn to something and really like something the way I am drawn to storms, and even in a weird sort of way identify as a storm, which is pretty strange. And I'm not quite sure how that works yet um, without actually being that thing. So there's a lot of people who I have an affinity for dragons, for example. Therefore, I must be a dragon. Not necessarily. So I, what I'm saying is I think there is more to me. However, even if it is something spiritual, or no, 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 let me say it this way. Even if it's something mythological, that does not mean that it's spiritual. It could still be psychological, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be a douchebag or full of myself or anything like that. And I think people who are genuinely mythological beings aren't necessarily going to look like Legolas. I think people who genuinely identify as mythological beings are likely going to slog through lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of material to really and truly find where they fit. And not every case is the same, I know. And yes, somebody may identify as... um, Leo Safar, Light Elves, and maybe they will look very pretty, very, you know, more like we might think of as Lord of the Rings Elves or something of that nature. 
I'm not going to say, well, to be genuine, you have to be ugly or you have to be fearsome or you have to be really obscure. But I'm, but I think there's a lot of people that with the mythological stuff, they take what is most available in our culture and identify with that rather than, and, and some people are using it as a placeholder. Uh, but in, when I think uh, it would behoove them to go a lot deeper and actually to really reflect upon why they identify with this thing. And I think with the route that I'm going, um, I'm not going to, like, come out next episode, for example, and say, oh, I found it. I'm a such and such. That's going to take a lot of reflection and thinking, why am I drawn to this? Why am I repelled by that? Why do I identify as this or that thing? And it's going to take a lot of work. And it may and, and it may be something so obscure that it's just lost. It may be something unique unto itself, you know. Or it may be something like I, I, I identify as more than one thing for whatever reason, because there are people that do. Um, but even, but even with that, I mean, there are, you can tell when people are fake when they're stacking on a whole bunch of kin types, and they all happen to be more powerful than the last. But then, <laughs> and again, there are people who identify as more than one thing who actually take some time to think about what on earth they're saying. So maybe I'm like that. So I actually don't think that I'm completely awake. But, oh, how fantastic is it to finally ah, have this really true and authentic piece of the story. I've figured it out, and when I'm there, I'm calm, and I am centered. I, I, I am myself. I am, I am just me, and it's great. <laughs> okay, so who wants to go next? Um, shall I take it? Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun question then. Okay, so I'll, um, cover a few things first. First of all, I did not know about the furring community before I woke. I didn't even know about the furry community before I awoke. Um, da 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 da. I, uh, <laughs> I was also more of a reptile kind of guy, an amphibian, geckos. Um, salamanders, monitor lizards, that kind of thing, and a big lover of dragons. Big, big lover of dragons. Still am. So, it's... with As for wolves, I didn't really give them much fault. They were just, you know, wild dog canine things for me. You know, most mammals didn't really interest me as much as reptiles. So that's, that's that kind of disclaimer thing out the way. Um, so essentially what happened for me is just randomly one day, for no apparent reason, got an interest in wolves, started looking at pictures, videos, that kind of thing, and I started noticing strange behavioral changes. I noticed things about myself that just, it, it seemed, uh, it seemed odd, it seemed more, well, lack of a better word, wolf-like. Um, personality, you know, I, it's, uh, my, I, how to explain it, it's, um, I, I started seeing the world. I started looking at things in a different way, seeing the world. I just started to change as a person, and it's very interesting actually noticing your own changes. It's because usually as people change, they don't notice it, and it changes very, very slightly. Yeah, it was weird. 
Um, I looked up on the internet with taglines like um, real werewolf and that kind of thing. And I eventually found a video on YouTube talking about pyranthropy and overkin and that kind of thing. So I looked up pyranthropy, overkin, and I found a page on Wikifur, which was a furry Wikipedia, hmm. um, about pyranthropy. So I read through it and I'm thinking, okay, this is what's going on with me. Okay, yes, that's true, that's true. Oh, thank God, I'm not crazy. Um, of course, right then, I started doing videos about it, like I was the guru on the subject. I was, uh, this was my craziest stage. I was claiming, I claimed stupid things like um, we were a separate species to humans, we were better than humans. And I started doing the whole, the whole human kind of thing, you know, classing, you know, you know I, I did that for a while. I called myself a, I called other people humans, I, and whilst I still forced myself as human, it's, it, it's a very, it, it's like I'm differentiating, differentiating myself, you know, from the rest of humankind. And it took me a while to get out of that. And Audra was one of the people who indirectly kind of helped me <laughs> figure out that I wasn't fucking, that I wasn't what I was thinking. I was going, I was insane. What the hell was I talking about? <laughs> Which is ironic because if you would have met me at my crazy stage, I probably would have agreed with you or something. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it, it's not until recently that I've calmed down a bit. It's, I, I mean, Audrey, you've been subscribed to my YouTube channel for a long time. You know that um, I, I, I was very angry. I made a lot of just really oh, angry yeah. videos. And yeah. Now when I do them, they're much more humorous. I've calmed down a lot lately. So I don't know whether but, that's I, I still had a very big crazy stage. But I think I had this massive crazy stage that kind of calmed, but a little bit of crazy still uh, still stood with me until recently. Um, but yeah, my kin type was the um, was a wolf. I knew right away, you know. Never, I, I've, I mean, I've I've saw like little things about me, like some things I do is very cat like, but I don't really feel like a cat. And I think if 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 a, if a, if a human or if someone writes down bit by bit what parts of their personality can connect to other animals they're gonna end up with this huge freaking list of things they could be and that's i just felt like a wolf that's what i am it took me a while but I, but eventually i got um my species eastern canadian red wolf and i love saying the whole thing it's like a title I am followers <laughs> Andrew Hart, the Eastern Canadian Red Wolf. Uh, well, there's one I, thing that's kind of cool about that. You're not like saying you're a black lone wolf or you know some cliche. It's like you have your species. I don't even have my species, but you have your species, and the species is something that is not romanticized like you know some other. Yeah. Uh, of course, wolves are romanticized, but you're not. Oh, I yeah. am the Arctic wolf. And you can have Arctic wolf theory, and certainly, but it's just you're not something people romanticize about. Wolves are romanticized quite a bit, and you know, uh, wolves are overrated. They they're truly are. They're essentially wild dogs. We all most people have a pet dog. They're they're not the greatest animal in existence. I would give that title to the platypus, the living embodiment of individuality. <laughs> you know, not wolves. Don't get me wrong, I love being a wolf. If anyone said you could change it to a platypus, I'm like, I don't know, I'm happy with who I am. I don't really want to, I, I don't want to change, but if I could choose originally, if I could actually choose 
before, you know, as I was awakening, I would have probably chosen a platypus or a Jackson's chameleon or something a lot cooler or more unique. It kind of sucks a lot of the time being the most common kin type, the wolf, because people automatically expect that you're you're newly awoken and that you don't know what you're talking about or that you're lying. Right, because there, there are so many wolves. Yeah. But, yeah, that's me pretty much done with that. Connor, you're up. <laughs> God damn it. Right. Uh, my awakening is uh, different to Audra's and Andrew's, mainly because my name doesn't begin with an A. But, <laughs> um, but moving on. Um, I first came across, uh, you know, I was thinking very differently, like Andrew, I mean... Um, I think the biggest revelation was when I got bored of Christmas. I just flat out said, no, I'm not celebrating it anymore. I don't care for it. I don't find it fun. And I just flat out stopped. Um, and things went on that way until um, I found the fairing community. Uh, first place I went was actually one of the very crazy ones, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, it was very... Um, you know, oh, when we're gonna pee shift, blah blah blah, government stuff. Um, <laughs> and for a year, I was kind of, I kind of got into it. I, um, I thought I was a wolf fairy, and I thought I was a tundra wolf. Um, so I looked into it, and after about a year, I came across. I think it was one of Andrew's videos, and he was defining fairyanthropy, and he said he was just so sick of people thinking pee shifting was possible. Um, and I Am thought I he was a dick. Um, <laughs> oh, I was. But, um, uh, so I just moved on. And then eventually the site I was on just sort of, um, broke down. Everyone started to hate each other. And we all, yeah, no, it's funny. <laughs> well, no, I'm and laughing now because, like, feelings. Yeah, are, no, I'm laughing I because I'm not suggesting there's drama on the internet, are you? <laughs> no, the internet never has drama. Um, so the site broke down and um, we all went our separate ways um, and I basically quit the therian community for about a year um, and when I came back I actually did watch a lot of the YouTube videos um, and that kind of got me back into it the more normal way uh, the way everyone else gets into it I came across a, a couple of more informative sites and I sat down and I realized what it really was um, so at that point I had no idea what my kin type was I mean I assumed wolf, and I just went on thinking wolf for a bit, um, until wolves just bored me, like uh, I couldn't find anything interesting about them, I looked at them, and there's nothing good about them, Thanks and my crazy stage was incredibly wolf heavy, I mean, I, I, I looked down on everyone else with a non-wolf kin type, because I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I went... I was. I just went around. I thought it was better than everyone. So you know, very very crazy stage. Um, hang on. Um, and then about um, just went around. I looked at the various animals, and eventually I ended up watching the Lion King. Um, and I looked at lions and pretty much all the animals in it, except from hyenas and like gazelles and stuff. Um, so I saw hyenas and I was like. Well, it's worth taking a look. So I, I, I took a look and I was really, you know, surprised. I was like, wow, 
I feel I'm, I this is totally different to how I felt about every other species. I can sort of see myself in this animal. Mm. So I I looked at it and I think I just went, well, you know, I didn't really want to be a hyena. It, I was like, oh, but you know, I just I realised I was a hyena. Um, and then it was just me getting used to it, and I actually really don't like the Lion King anymore because of how unrealistic it is. Um, I mean, most of the time it's just uh, lion scavenging hyena kills, so, you know, it's uh, pretty unrealistic. And um, I think coming back to the community, I've realised a few things. Um, wolves that try and say wolves have the hardest time of any animal suck. <laughs> <laughs> It's just annoying. It's like, oh my god, everyone hates us. And I'm like, well, you know, hyenas have been in like one film, and we were idiots in it. So, yeah. (laughs) You're more. You know, you have these cartoon hyenas marching like Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. The comic relief. It is. They are portrayed as Nazis in it. Um, not even the leader. It's the troops that go in and die, which really sucks. Um. So yeah, I, I, I've been kind of uh, more thinking about it, and uh, I'm I pretty much I really like hyenas now. I mean, it took a while to get used to it, but right now I I, yeah, I think it's um a huge transition between a really crazy stage of looking down on everything to just literally just taking a break from the community and saying to myself, right, I was thinking wrong then. Uh, I'll have a look at it now. And just basically taking inspiration from pretty much any source. I mean, it just—I mean, I'm not—I'm not a fiction kin. I don't like the characters in it, but um, it, it did sort of kick me just to have, have a quick look. You know, if you if you see um, a film with that that kin type in it, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably unrealistic, but if you feel like um, you like the animal in it, it's worth at least taking a look. Yeah. Um, I don't get the Lion King, because why are hyenas grey? grey? Like, there's no such thing apart from cubs, who are black, but hyenas are brown, so I, I never really got it. Um, and then I've just, you know, it's an animal that really clicks with me, and I've realised that because um, hyenas have weird things with genders, um, I kind of identify as both gendered hyena. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. We could cover um, the, just the topic of gender and therianthropy because physically I am female, but I identify as male. Um, I identify as a lesbian, identified male personally. So that's an interesting thing to know. Yeah, I, 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 I identify as fluid, but I don't really give care. Yeah, well, now it's interesting. It's like we've never we we never really made gender a part of this show, but we could just cover that topic in another show. And I think it'd be an interesting topic because I've met a few people who have um, a few. They they have um they're male with like a female gendered uh, kin and females with male gendered kin kin, and they don't even identify as that gender. Yeah, that's interesting. Um... Interesting to know, actually, that Audra, didn't you at one point uh, think that you may be wolf, wolfkin? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I think there are several reasons. First, there are lots of wolves out there, 
And when I first found other kin and therianthropy and vampires and and groups of people who are like real werewolves or something like you'd have a forum. No, we're real werewolves, and that's and they not like they were claiming to physically shift, but these are were like, well, we're humans, where, but we also identify as wolves. So really, we are real werewolves. I think um, my awakening is where a lot of my uh, extreme. I really dislike pea shifting because it just confused me for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Like if I if I'd have uh, seen it and seen a decent site that just told I would have um, learned about therianthropy and not all the crazy stuff. But um, because people are just so determined to be right on this stuff and can't step back and take a look at what's real and what isn't, right, it just confuses people. And I think a lot of people have. Yeah probably turned off the community by things like that. People yeah. just like to grab the label and they don't really want, like to do the research. I mean, yeah, me when I first awoke, I just, I read that one wiki and that was it. You know, I thought that I knew everything. Which is not true. At all. Um, but as for the whole thing, bringing it back to wolves again, sorry. It's, uh, it is interesting to note that for a lot of kin, wolves seem to be the default. You know, there are, yeah. I've heard right. of a lot of instances where <coughs> They have a point where they believe they may be wolves. Whereas Mm -hmm. me, I awoke as a wolf. I never had like a questioning thing where I might be something else. It's always felt like wolf. And I didn't know about the furring community beforehand. So, so, um, well, first of all, I was, well, I was impatient and I, I really liked wolves. I still like wolves, but. I, I thought just because I was attracted to these things, then I may, I'm probably one of them, right? Like being drawn to something, having an, affinity, having an affinity for something does not mean that you are that thing. Yeah. Um, and it, you may be something that you're absolutely repelled by. I am absolutely repelled by slime. However, slime is deeply <laughs> symbolic to me. So just being repulsed by it doesn't mean that it doesn't have some kind of meaning to me. Um, but that, you know, but that, well, it shows up in a lot of dreams, and I associate it with a lot of things, and even though I think slime molds are interesting, I think they're really fucking disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I know a guy, um, I know a guy who thinks that monkeys are ugly as hell, and he he doesn't really like them, uh, and his kin type is a monkey. I don't know what species, I don't think he knows himself, uh... Um, I yeah, I don't know what species it is, but he's a monkey himself. So yeah, unfortunately, there are some people who um awaken that they don't exactly like. I think I really the only thing I really dislike is the fact that we are automatically um disliked uh, and people just don't believe us. And I can understand that right. because there are so many of us. I um no, I I wasn't done with why I thought I was a wolf actually. So. Um, I also had a dream, one dream, where I, um, I basically essentially transformed into a werewolf. But what I didn't consider is I was thinking about maybe I'm a wolf, and I was thinking about that I liked wolves, and I recently awakened to the idea of being otherkin. So, yeah, and see, like with lightning, that's a recurring dream pattern thing there. So there's something to that. Even if it doesn't have anything to do with kinness, and it doesn't have to, maybe it doesn't, but there's something to it because it it keeps happening as far as dreams. But this 
this was one dream. And I was impatient, and God damn it, I wanted to awaken. Excuse my language, I'm sorry, but that was ha- how I felt. I've said worse than that during this yeah. show anyway, right, so I'm, I'm being sorry is perfectly trying, fine. I, I'm trying to keep my cussing to a minimum, but that is yeah. really how yeah. I felt. I, I want to know what I am, and I want to know now. I want to know five minutes ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I remember being new to the Theron community, and it was all wolves. Like, everyone was a wolf. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I really wanted to be a wolf. Um, even when I woke in two hyenas, I was extremely sort of reluctant to learn about them. And, you know, I, I really didn't want to be a hyena. Right. Nobody romanticizes hyenas. No, I like... personally found myself drawn to the kin types, too. I didn't see that often. I mean, uh, I remember, like, uh, the, the the one, the website I ended up being invited to was uh, Primal State, which unfortunately is down now. Um, and that's where I kind of got my, um, King community experience. My King community experience has been pretty good for the most part. I've not really met many of the crazies, unless you count myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I found myself drawn to kin that you just didn't see many of, like, um, like, like raptor kin and deer kin and that kind of thing. So yeah, wolves are wolves. And I found, I honestly find most wolves, wolf kin, kind of irritating because the there are some that have the whole I'm a lone wolf thing, uh, personality that just irritate me it's like um, I'm not a lone wolf, I have my family and without my family I'd probably be screwed you know, a lone wolf is a dead wolf and my family are essentially my pack that's how much they need to me and yeah, a lone wolf is a dead wolf <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> because in the wild if um if, if a, a, a lone wolf is a wolf that's gotten thrown out of its pack, its behavior is such that it's not acceptable to the rest of the pack. It's too savage or something. It's, it it goes beyond showing dominance, and it's just, you know, dangerous to the rest of the pack. Okay, so the pack will say, well, you know, we don't want you anymore. We're not interacting with you. You're a lone wolf. And it's either going to find another pack that will accept it, which it probably won't, or it will die. Because they wolves need are, the pack. Um, yeah, wolves can't hunt alone. They might be able to find something small, but they're not going to be able to take down something. A lone wolf is not going to be able to take down enough food to um, sustain itself alone. They need to be part of a pack. Um, so, yeah. Which is interesting, because... Um I know I don't know much about the lone wolves. I know hyenas, they, uh, male hyenas leave their clans when they're about two years old. And basically they just go off wandering the savannah until they find another clan and most of them die. Wow. Um, a few of them live, which is where they get the, I think, I think that's where they get the reputation of scavengers from because, um, one hyena can't really take down much. I mean, they can live in clans of up to 80, and then they'll split off into groups. But they can't, they can uh, digest pretty much any organic matter, and they can, yeah, their jaws are incredibly powerful. But um, they uh, go off on their own, and in clans, they, I think they kill 80% of what they eat. Um, And, like, the lead killer is lions, like 70% of hyena deaths are caused by lions. Wow. Yeah. We need to get a lion kin on the show at one point. Yeah. And you guys can have a debate 
about something. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need that. Yeah, we do kind of need that. <laughs> okay. I think a Lion King would. Oh, hyenas, I'm turning off. <laughs> yeah, early on in the episode. Um, but I think um, wolves do sort of flood the community, and they yes. do kind of have an impact on other species. I mean, I remember being a wolf and looking down on the few people that weren't. No, I don't think that. In fact, I personally kind of look up to people a little bit, like slightly a little bit up to people who aren't wolves. Especially the rarer the kin type, the better for me because I find that more interesting. Especially extinct kin, not dire wolves, but uh, especially extinct kin. Like, if, if, chances are, if you're a kin and you're not a canine like a wolf, you're going to be a feline, you're going to be a cat. And, right, a yeah. big cat. Not, you, not usually a house cat. There are house cat therians, but mm-hmm. precious few. <laughs> Chances are it's a lion or a tiger. But um, something like a bird or some kind of reptile or a deer, you know, prey animal, that kind of thing. Far more interesting than just another big predator. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, you don't find too many prey animals. Even the birds are like hawks or eagles or something like that. Very few people say, oh, I, I'm a sparrow. Now, we, I, we do know of a swan. Yes, we do. But um, and and I'm I'm with you. It seems to me that the people who are who are prey animals, or maybe they're just very obscure animals, or stuff that isn't a big cat or a big you know a big feline or a big canine, or even or even like other canines like jackals and coyotes. I I mean I think jackals and coyotes are awesome, but you know even in the Therian community you see a lot of canines like that too lots of foxes and stuff and i, in I think case, i don't it, think a fox is a canine i think it has a separate category sorry to interrupt but i'm sure i think it's well fine sure it has a well fine is that it yeah i think that's what they are okay but yeah well then i, I see there is more foxes than wolves yeah interesting actually uh this is you know online quizzes are bullshit but I took an online quiz a while ago. Oh, I'd say a while ago, like last month. Uh, what, what furry are you? And I got 100% fox. 100% fox. And like 90% wolf, which is like, what? Really? I'm a fox? Oh, great. I'm obsessed with sex. Brilliant. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> They're called fulfs, I think. Wolf foxes. They're called fulfs. Fulfs. So, yeah, That's awesome. No, it's I not. There's them. hundreds of them. I know them. about ligers. <laughs> ligers. Poor things. Yeah, I, but, yeah, I, granted, there is no, there is nothing that, that indicates that rare stereotypes or rare kin types, see, because even in the other kin community, we tend to get people that are like, you know, I'm, I'm an angel, I'm a demon, I'm, you know, I'm something cool. You know, I'm an elf. I, very rarely do you get, like, the house brownies. You know, like, I have the compulsion to sweep the floor at 2 in the morning. You know, very rarely. That would be awesome. Best be roommates ever. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but you, you you always, almost always get the big and powerful ones. And so it, it seems to me that the people who aren't big and powerful and who aren't common – 
have done a, probably done a little bit more introspection. And the reason I, I say this is because when I had not done much introspection at all, oh boy, I was a wolf and I was pretty damn convinced of it for a couple weeks. <laughs> I think See, part of it that. is um, an ego thing. Mm-hmm. It's like um, for animals, uh, it's not really living up to an ego, is it? No, it's not. I don't know. I think deers are pretty damn cool. Um, and interesting to note that the deers do actually eat meat. I found this out through a um a deer kin who linked me to this uh, article. And yeah, deer and there's like photographic proof. Deers actually eat meat. Well, deer actually eat meat. Not often, but it's part of their you know diet, which is. Yeah, but I think deers are pretty cool. Plus, they can kick ass. One of my favorite yeah, videos. Literally, they can kick. Is awesome. Yeah, one of my favorite videos on YouTube is this video of this um, hunter getting his ass handed to him by a deer, while his mate is just recording the whole thing. I love it. <laughs> now I'm not gonna help. I'm gonna record this, put you on YouTube, and you're gonna be famous. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be famous because everyone's gonna be laughing at you. It might make the news. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I actually like deer, too, but very rarely do you do you see a lot of people trying to, I, I guess, puff up their ego by saying, I am a deer, or I am a fish. Very rarely do you see and say, I'm a wolf. <laughs> I think with wolves, you see a lot of either people who say they're lone wolves or alphas. Oh, I am... Uh, isn't it interesting how so many alphas and so few omegas? I actually did go through a uh, phase where I thought that I was an alpha, but honestly, if I'm going to put my personality to a wolf, or uh, like a wolf pack thing, which, you know, I'm human, I'm very diverse, so it doesn't make much sense, but I'd probably class myself as a beta, a better, um, more than anything else. It's like, um... I like to be a bit of an advisor, but I am not a leader. I probably could be, but I am not a leader. I don't like that responsibility. Right, not um, in the sense of being an alpha. Yeah, so beta is probably the one that's most um, akin to me, but there's no way I'm actually going to you know, point the thing. I am a beta, you know. <laughs> I'm second in command, which I, w- I wouldn't be, but still. Um, honestly, there's only one other wolf that I've, that I'm 100% convinced is genuine. Um, of course I think I, I'm genuine. I am genuine. Ah, I'm a wolf, you're not, boo-hoo. Uh, but <laughs> there's only one other wolf that I've ever met, good friend of mine, who I honestly believe is 100% wolf. Um, he can be a bit aggressive at times, shall we say. We kind of have this dominance thing going on, I don't, I think. I'm not sure if he know if he feels this, but I kind of have this dominance thing going on. But um, yeah, uh, he's the only wolf I've ever met that I'm a hundred percent convinced is genuine. A wolf is believable. So <laughs> mm-hmm. most wolves. I mean, that being said, as you know, it, when you get real wolf DNA here, if you're not a hundred percent, if you don't have a hundred percent wolf DNA, you're not a you know you're not a wolf. You're uh, you're a wolf dog or just a dog in general. And since we're human, um, then we're already not a hundred percent wolf. So mm-hmm. most of us technically are wolf dogs than anything else, if you look at it in that way. But I feel more wolf than anything else. I've I've never really 
I've questioned it, but I've never really been drawn to anything else. I've never really felt a connection to anything else in the same way. So, yeah. That just about wraps up the show. Thanks for listening. Um, You can contact us on the email, which will be in the show notes, and we will be back next week, hopefully.